This is the Better Than Before Betrayal podcast, episode number five. I don't hang my emotions on others. Have you or someone you know experienced betrayal from a husband's pornography use, sexually compulsive behaviors, or other forms of infidelity? Hi, I'm Ruthie. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and a life coach certified through the Life Coach School. In this podcast, I will share my experience of growth and healing as I have learned tools and concepts to help me take responsibility for my own happiness, find peace, confidence, and become a stronger version of myself. Come with me and let me show you how to have a life that is better than before betrayal. Hi there. Welcome back. Today, I'm going to talk about another skill that I use that helps to make my life better now than it was before. It is this. I don't hang my emotions on other people's actions or inactions, and I don't make other people's actions mean anything about me. Well, I try not to, anyway. My brain still goes there. And I have skills to get me to a better place when it does happen. Now, this is a lifetime work. Excuse me. I plan to work on this as long as I'm living. All of this work in recovery and healing is a lifelong work. It just makes life better. It gets easier with practice. However, I don't recommend that you ever just put it down and walk away. Your primitive brain will take over if you let it. So I use these skills to keep me in recovery and peace. We'll never just arrive there. Anytime we think, if they would just fill in the blank, then I would feel better. We are hanging our emotions or happiness on someone else. We give our power away. We do this a lot as humans. If my kids would make different choices, I would feel peace. If my mother-in-law would stop that, I could love her better. If my husband would change, everything would be great. Basically, if everyone would do things the way I want them to, I would be happy. The reason we want other people to change is that our brain really believes that we are right. Our way is better. It is challenging for us to understand how others can believe otherwise. When we hang our emotions on what other people do or say, we give away our power to feel peace. We play the victim. Not a fun place to be. So why do we stay there? Because it's easier. We think that we are right, others are wrong. Our way is better, and we get stuck there. In growth, we look at our part in a problem. We take responsibility for our stuff. How we show up. I find it helpful to challenge my thoughts, my judgments. What if my way isn't better? Just for fun and for a challenge, I take some time to consider how someone else's way might be better. I ask myself, what if I am wrong? This is a mind-expanding practice. There really isn't a right or wrong way to do a lot of things. Most things, in fact. 
as we get curious about the possibility that we are wrong, we can show up with more love and compassion for others. And we can let go of all the thoughts, the judgments of others, and be free from the thoughts that keep us stuck about what other people do. We stop hanging our emotions on what they do or don't do. One reason this can be be challenging is that we often make what others do or don't do mean something about us. Have you spent a lot of your life thinking what other people do mean something about you? Do you think that your children's behaviors meant that you were a good mom or a bad mom? Did you take responsibility for their bad behaviors or take credit for their good behaviors? good grades, accomplishments. For example, when a young adult child no longer wants to participate in the church, it means nothing about their parents, yet many parents make it mean that they have failed somehow, that they did something wrong. Is this true? No. One of my daughters, when she was very young, like a preschooler, would tell me frequently, sometimes multiple times a day, that she hated me. Did that mean I was a bad mom? Well, I'll tell you now that sometimes I was a great mom and sometimes I wasn't. I'm human and I have weaknesses. And I do my best. And sometimes my best is lousy. When my daughter would tell me that she hated me, I figured that it wasn't really true. I would tell her, that I was sorry to hear that, and that I loved her, and that there was nothing she could ever do to change that. If I would have made her words mean that I was a terrible mother, who knows how I would have shown up. I knew that her words really didn't mean anything about me. They meant something about her. Probably that I wasn't giving her whatever she wanted at that moment. And that was probably me being a good mom. This example of how I showed up, how I wanted to, there are plenty of times in my life, however, that I did, and still do, make other people's actions mean something about me. I have to be on to myself. I have to self-coach. I get coached by my coach to keep me in a clean space. Anytime we are hurt by the words or actions of someone else, it's because we are making it mean something about us. Do you get stuck in indulgent, dirty pain when someone does something that you don't like? Now, I know I've mentioned clean pain and dirty pain, and I will explain what that is in a future episode. So if you don't know, stay tuned and I'll explain it. But there's so much to teach you, and I can't get it all in one episode. So it's really challenging to believe that other people's actions don't cause our emotions. We have been taught that they do. Our brain goes so quickly from circumstance to emotion that we don't naturally notice that there's a thought, or many thoughts actually, in there that isn't useful. We have to make a conscious effort to notice our thoughts. So I was talking to a gal 
um, that was not invited on a couple's trip. She was hurt. She told me about all the reasons that she thought she wasn't invited. Some of the reasons made sense to her, but she the sting was still there. She felt left out. She made it mean a lot of things about her. She spent months, or maybe even a year, being hurt about it. There was some clean pain in there. We aren't robots meant to live with no emotion. It hurts not to be invited to things, for sure. But we can get stuck in dirty pain when we make things mean something about us. There's a lot of assuming going on, and that isn't helpful. In this circumstance of the couple's trip, I learned from the trip planner, not because I asked about it, she just happened to share, that she had found an Airbnb that slept five couples. The gal that wasn't invited was a friend of some in the group, but not as close to the gal that was the planner. There were five ladies present at the first mention of the trip, and that filled up the spots. The one gal made it, made up so many stories in her head about not being invited. She made it mean so many things about her and the other girls involved. The fact was that she just wasn't there when the plan was made. The house only held five couples. Her thoughts brought in all the drama. And it can be hard not to go into drama. It is very easy for us to get in a place where something that someone else does can keep us stuck. Our brains gives meaning to it, and we ruminate on these thoughts, and we believe them. Has something like this happened to you? Again, it hurts not to be invited to something. But can you make it not mean anything about you? It takes some work but it can be done. And you will save yourself a lot of misery if you're willing to do it. It is really freeing to do the thought work required, to get curious about our thoughts and recognize when we are making things mean something about us that really are not about us at all. I bet you don't have to think too hard to come up with a time that you have done this, maybe even recently. Well, I used to do it all the time. My brain still does it, but I used to do it more. My brain still likes to offer me all sorts of garbage, and it always will for as long as I'm living on this planet. And that's why I need coaching. That's why I need thought work. This is one of the things that coaching does. I do daily self-coaching. I have found it so helpful to frequently ask myself, what what am I making that mean about me? And I get some very interesting answers. I can teach you to slow down and notice your thoughts. We all have blind spots to our own brains. We need a third neutral party to catch our garbage. My coach sees things I am not seeing in my own story. So here's an example from my life. Excuse me. My husband is a hard worker. And yes, that is a thought. 
In a later thought, I, excuse me, in a later episode, I'll talk to you about thoughts and facts and the difference. Again, so many good things to teach you. So my husband likes to stay busy. He loves the project. When we got married, he was going to school full-time and working full-time. We lived in the basement apartment of a widow's home, and my husband also took care of the huge yard. He loves yard work. Well, guess what I made that mean about me? I thought that he didn't want to be with me. I spent much of my married life thinking these sort of thoughts. And guess how that made me feel? I felt unloved, lonely, and unhappy. Now, obviously, I didn't think these thoughts all the time, but it was something my brain offered me frequently. And I found evidence for that thought, because that is what our brain does. It finds evidence to prove our thoughts are true. Was it true? No. What it meant was that my husband was in school full-time, and he had responsibilities there. He was working full-time, and he had responsibilities there. And he had agreed to take care of our landlord's yard. More responsibilities. I could have had totally different thoughts about this circumstance. And of course, sometimes I did. However, my brain did like to focus on making it mean that he didn't want to be with me. That makes me sad, believing that thought when it wasn't true all these years. My husband is crazy about me. And guess what? I can find tons of evidence of that. In fact, all those things he did were for me and for us, and my brain didn't believe it. Because it likes to look for problems, because that's its job. Remember, to keep me alive and safe and look for problems. It's always looking for danger, searching for problems. So when I'm thinking and believing that my husband doesn't want to be with me, I focus on all the time he is away from me, and I make it mean that something means something about me. I made it mean that he didn't want to be with me. I was unlovable, uninteresting, and undesirable. Do you think that I showed up as my best self? No. And guess what? Even if my husband didn't want to spend time with me, that still doesn't mean anything about me. It means something about him. Can you wrap your brain around that one? It takes some curiosity. I'm sure you've heard the line in a breakup story, in a movie, or a book, it's not you, it's me. You may have said it to someone. Someone may have said it to you. Do you believe it? If you said it to someone when you were breaking up with them or turning down a date with someone that you weren't interested in dating, did you believe it or did you just say it so you wouldn't hurt their feelings? Did you say it thinking that it really was them? You not being interested in them is about you, not them. 
The truth is that it actually is about you. It always is. Interestingly, everything I do is about me. Everything you do is about you. That doesn't mean we're all selfish and self-centered and think that the world revolves around us. It means that we are all human. It's about how we want to be. It's how we want to feel. How we think we will feel if we do or don't do something. It's avoiding feeling something we don't want to feel. As we understand this, we realize that what other people do doesn't mean anything about us. It means something about them. This can be so helpful when we consider our husband's pornography use and other choices. When I discovered my husband's compulsive behaviors, I knew in my head that it didn't mean anything about me. And guess what? I didn't believe it completely. I had a war going on in my head. I made it mean that I wasn't enough. I made it mean that I wasn't doing things right. I made it mean that if I had done things differently, he wouldn't have made these choices. And a thousand other thoughts that made his choices mean something about me. That somehow I could control his choices. And guess what? I don't have that kind of power. You don't have that kind of power. As my brain was offering me these thoughts, I also had thoughts of truth coming to me. Thoughts like, this has nothing to do with me. I'm okay just the way I am. This is about him. I spent a lot of time making his choices mean something about me, and the battle in my head raged on, back and forth. Have you spent time in this space? I'm pretty sure you have. As we make other people's actions mean something about us, we get stuck. Our brain wants to control something that we have no control over. We spiral in thoughts and get stuck in the emotions that these thoughts bring. We hang our emotions on other people's actions. This doesn't serve us at all. It's like a prison. Again, people are good at being them. Their actions are based on what they are feeling or what they want to feel or what feeling they are avoiding. We like to think that our actions are caused or driven by other people, but that is how we deceive ourselves. When it comes to your husband's infidelity, what have you made it mean about you? That there is something wrong with you? Well, guess what? That's not true. Even if he has told you that he makes his choices because of something you do or don't do, that's just him living in shame and blame. His choices are about him and only about him. Because of coaching, I have learned And I'm continuing to learn and practice to manage my mind around other people's actions. I work through the thoughts that my brain offers me. I can challenge those beliefs in every circumstance. I can remind myself that their actions don't mean anything about me 
it means something about them. This brings my brain to a clean space. It helps me show up with compassion for the other person and for myself. It brings a desire to try to understand others and myself. It's a beautiful skill to use to get curious about our thoughts, to challenge, ta- challenge them, to help us realize what is true. These skills have changed my life, and they can change yours too. If you are ready to give this a try, reach out to me and we can chat about it, and chat about how I can help you. Start your journey to making your life better than before betrayal. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me. I hope that what I have shared today is helpful and hope-filled for you. If you know someone that would find this podcast helpful, please share it. If you are ready for one-on-one coaching to help you take responsibility for your own happiness, to find growth and healing from what you have experienced, please go to betterthanbeforebetrayal.com and schedule a free session to find out how I can help you on your journey. I'd love to talk to you. See you soon.